Welcome to another episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teaching podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Hare, and I'm joined this week with my co-hosts, Mr. Lumpkin, Mr. Moreland, and a surprise guest, one Miss Darcy Priester, the tech extraordinaire here at the high school. She has been phenomenal and indispensable to all of our use of technology, at least for me in my last two years here. Miss Priester, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. So today we're going to do like we always do. We're going to have some quick informationals. And we're going to point at a couple of different things that are going on. One thing I wanted to point out is that the new iPhone is being launched in Cupertino, and that's going to be next month on September 10th. So for all of you Apple heads out there, that's what's coming next. Mr. Moreland, do you have anything you want to point out to everybody today? Uh, I don't even what Cupertino. Cupertino. Cupertino is the town where Apple is located. Where is that at? Uh, it's somewhere on the, I think, the northern side. So it's not far from the rest of Silicon Valley. Oh. And it's on the coast. I mean, it's like a five-minute walk to the ocean. It sounds like cappuccino. It might be. Everyone mm. who's out there probably loves to drink a nice cappuccino. But I always thought it was interesting that the town that Apple is in is called Cupertino, California. Probably that. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna pull my, my I guess, gamer card. I mean, Mr. Lumpkin and I, we're all three involved with the video game Absolutely. club. Absolutely. Um, the new remake of Link's Awakening is coming out next month. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm going to pull the curtain now. back. <laughs> yeah. I am a huge Legend of Zelda fan. I don't own a Nintendo Switch, but everyone who has ever played me in uh, Smash Brothers knows I'm a big Link fan. Wind Waker is my favorite. But the very first Legend of Zelda game that I beat was Link's Awakening, and it, it, it remained for a long time my very favorite. There was something about... Find, fighting the uh, the giant whale fish that I just mm -hmm. always got on Ko Koa Hot Island. I absolutely love that game. Uh, Mr. Lumpkin, anything you want to point out before we started today? Oh, nothing too much, I think. Although you did just remind me that I have a, was it the Final Fantasy VIII remake is actually coming out here in what, three days, four days? No. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's September 3rd. September 3rd. So mm -hmm. it'll be out this Tuesday. I'm excited. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII is always a weird one. Yeah. I, I played Kingdom Hearts 1. When it came out, it just <laughs> ate me a little bit. But uh, seeing Leon with the gun sword, which was just silly and crazy, and it was just so much fun that it's a sword with a gun on it. And I, I just, that so was a fun game. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> My favorite part of that game was when he's at the dance and he's told that he's the best looking guy. Skull's so told he's looking. the best looking guy at the party. And then, like, the graphics are so bad, he just looks like a big blob. Of course. <laughs> But, Those you know, pixelated graphics. You got to have know, imagination to see what just saw. how good he looked. Absolutely. And Miss Priester, to round us out, would you like to give us one thing to point everyone's attention to? I'm not really sure what that would be right now. Excellent. Hit me on the on the, the spot there. Yeah. No, ma'am. I did not mean to put you on the spot. But <laughs> any movies or TV any movies, shows, TV shows, anything you're doing that's new? Um, not too much. No. I mean, it, it, with it being early on in the school year, things are. It's more of like trying to get stuff done here and then going home and get ready for bed and then starting all over again. So I think we all feel that really right, hard right, right now. Yeah. Um, I know um, Ms. Maurer and I are both uh, huge Veronica Mars fans. So she got finished with the episodes a little earlier than I did, but then we had to we had to chat about the whole season. And that was a picture <laughs> falling down in the back there to show that this is live. Uh, we will make sure that the windows are closed next time we record this so that that does not happen. But go ahead about Veronica Mars. Yeah, so we just we had to, to chat a little bit about what had happened during the season because there was an explosive ending, so literally. No spoilers? Uh, no spoilers, no spoilers but spoilers. no, no. 
Well, excellent. That's great, everyone. Thanks for bringing that all. I want to talk about what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about our last episode to kind of get everybody warmed up leading into our current episode. We're going to give you some school news for week two. We're then going to talk about what's going on as interesting news that we've each found out during the week. So we're going to talk about some news stories that are in the news. We're going to answer our burning question which I'm very excited to talk about. And then we're gonna have a brand new segment. We're gonna talk with Ms. Priester. I'm gonna ask her some questions for our interview, and then we're gonna wrap up with some final thoughts. Now, I wanna remind all of our students, we are still taking feedback, comments, questions, concerns, anything that makes the show better, we'd like for you all to send that to us. You can write it, put it in our mailbox, stick it to our door, ask us in the hallway, email us, you could even tweet us if we ever get Twitter working. Now, I wanna talk about last week. So guys, we came in, we had our first episode. We had a couple of bumps. We had it. We went over our time, so we had to edit it. No one has found it yet from the people that have listened. So great job, Mr. Lumpkin, there editing. But I did want to ask, you know, what is it from last week that you saw coming into this week that really makes it a little bit better when we come into the school? Go ahead and start with you, Mr. Lumpkin. Oh, for me, it's something that I've seen this past week that I've seen that's changed. It makes it really a lot easier coming into school. Oh, well. It's definitely been very interesting to see the attitude that's going on around the school right now, seeing everyone come in. It's, it, hmm, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. What about you, Mr. Mullen? <laughs> Has there been anything new this week? I mean, our first week that we recorded was still teacher prep. We were working on a couple of different things. That's true. What, what is it, what is the biggest difference now that we're, had our first week of the books? Um... I think I'm trying a lot of new things this this year that I didn't try before, and I'm looking at you know teaching, educating from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to make it more learner intense instead of you know the everyday tasks. Like we're getting away from worksheets, we're getting away from you know the typical stuff that you would see in a classroom, and we're trying to get the students to become lifelong learners instead of just you know, learning in the classroom. Uh, like, for example, we use the metaphor today of a rubber band. We said, you know, when you have a rubber band, you stretch it out and it, you know, gets stronger, gets longer, you know, it can hold more stuff. But if you just leave a rubber band the same size and wrap something up, it, you know, gets hard, it breaks, it, you know, just, you know, decays. So we want the students to be like rubber bands where they're stretching themselves out. They're actually trying new things or, you know, getting out of their comfort zone. Mm. And I even went as far as to break the rubber band. And I said, well, when that happens, it's because you've done too much. You've gone too far. Some students might take, you know, classes really difficult and they burn out. I said, the thing is now we can tie the rubber band back together. And now we see this limitation that we have and it's fine. Not everybody can do the same thing. I, I probably couldn't work in, you know, the tech, you know, department like Miss Priester can. That's okay. I'm not, that's not my area of expertise, but you can still try. And if you don't succeed, you have that little mark on your rubber band where you're tying it back together, where you've seen what you've tried and where you've come from. It's kind of like a battle scar, you know, you have something to show for it. Absolutely. And I really like that analogy with the mm -hmm. rubber band because sometimes when you snap, you don't always snap back. Ms. Priester, anything that's different for you? I know this is your first full week at the high school. Yes. What's, what's something yeah. that you've noticed that's different? Um, well, I think just, I mean, we, this summer, all of the teachers participate, or not all of the teachers, but we're giving the teachers an opportunity to participate in a book study on the innovator's mindset. And we've had our first group go through 
And just seeing the the changes in some of the teachers saying, like like Mr. Moreland, trying new things this year. And you know, this is our fifth or sixth year, I think, with with laptops. And a lot of people going, you know, we want to try different things and try to be a little bit more interactive with students and also have more like kind of authentic um, activities and tasks that they're going to see once they leave our doors and really help prepare for that, you know, lifelong learners and and help them go out into the workforce. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think um, it's been a little different for me because I'm not going between the middle school and the high school anymore. I'm just going to be at the high school this year. So that's been just really nice to, um, I think, build relationships in a different way with the teachers in, in one building um, as opposed to it was kind of like I would go back and forth between two buildings and not ever, you know, like I would build relationships, but not quite in the same way that I'm able to right now. Absolutely. We're glad to have you here at the high school on Thank a full-time you. basis, yeah. and we're glad you have your own office now. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, for me, it's been just having the students. I know we do all this prep, we do all this work, and it, it is all for the students. It's For me, it's nice to have the students. They bring a new energy. They always come Absolutely. in with new things to see. They always have questions. They're always questioning what we're doing, and they're questioning what they're seeing, and I, I appreciate having them in the building. Um, now, I want to kind of move on to our school week, our school news for week two. So with that, First and foremost, Labor Day is Monday. There is no school on Monday. So you will get Monday off. And for that, I hope everyone has a great Labor Day. Enjoy the final fleeting moments of summer. Enjoy that last cookout. Does anybody have any Labor Day uh, holiday, any disasters they want to share, any funny stories? Mr. Lumpkin, do you do anything fun one Labor Day? Oh, honestly, Labor Day was always for me just like pretty much what we're seeing here, where it's just that last gasp of trying to actually get another day with 12 hours of sleep. That's, <laughs> that's, that's really what it boils down to for me. So I sleep through most of my labor days. Understood. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Moreland, anything there? Um, to be honest, I kind of see the 4th of July as like the winding down of this. Because mm. it's, it's at that point, I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, we only have like a month or so left before we got to go back. I mean, teachers go back before students. So that's kind of like my, like, you know, signal, like, you know, got to get back to work mode. Hmm. And Labor Day is kind of just like a break, you know, hmm. after you've already started going back to work. Kind of like a, you know, okay, you're back to work, you're dead tired, but here's a little break for you to recharge and get ready for the next Good week. Catch yeah. the second win so you can keep going and get stronger as you go along. Absolutely. Miss Priester, any Labor Day memories, any great cookouts you've been to at the end of the summer? Not that I can really think of. I mean, growing up, it, Labor Day was like the last, like the very last, like, part of your summer vacation because I grew up in Virginia. So mm. um, we didn't go back to school until after Labor Day. Right, so yeah. that was, you know, last kind of like trip or anything that anybody was was going to do and my parents were like you know that that wasn't really like a, a travel time for us that was prep mode for mm -hmm. me to go go back to school and you know kind of summer summer was over absolutely i i don't have anything crazy but because i had such a large family growing up labor day was always the last chance we had before we went all back to school i grew up in new jersey so our summers never ended they just kept going until they said it's time to go back to school uh we always would just have a big old cookout my dad would make some ribs we would all sit out listen to some music and we'd all eat outside and that was that was a, that was it for us as we tried to catch the last couple of june bugs that didn't know the summer was over uh that being said we're going to talk about some 
Club news. Now, we're going to talk about the Anime Club. Uh, the sponsors are Mr. Moreland and Mr. Lumpkin. I assist as much as, the, as possible. Uh, we're going to talk about the Game Club. Again, Mr. Moreland, Mr. Lumpkin, and I assist as much as possible. Chess Club, it's my domain. I am the sponsor there. Mr. Lumpkin always comes in to help out when he can, and Mr. Moreland comes from time to time. And then we're going to talk about the Step Team, which I'm in charge of as a sponsor. And Mr. Moreland, Mr. Lumpkin enjoy watching. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with the Anime Club. Any news, anything you guys want to share? I know you may not have dates in mind yet, but what are your plans for this year? We have new officers in charge of the Anime Club, and they're going to do their best to try to get a field trip type thing planned for uh, a convention, trying to get us to go to convention. Last year's president, Chloe, uh, tried to get that rolling, but unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. Mm -hmm. So this year, they're really adamant about doing it. Okay, good. And also, uh, the selection is going to be changing a little bit. Last year, I was kind of like taking the reins about what we were watching, and some students weren't too happy to watch, you know, 90s anime about basketball. But Well, everyone loves Slam Dunk. You know that. Yes. Deep in your heart, even, if, even through the screams, the shouts, the no, please, God, no. They were always really into just watching a little bit more 90s anime with some basketball. That may, be, that may or may not be true, but <laughs> uh, the new vice president, Gabe, did run on a platform of – dethroning the dictator of me <laughs> and he was successful so the people have spoken and uh, there'll be some changes made to the lineup so i for one enjoyed the 90s anime as a kid who grew up in the 90s i love old school anime but i want to point out it's not just the kids that don't like it my wife does not like 90s anime she doesn't like the art style so for me i like it a lot i grew up on it that's personal miss priester did you watch any anime coming up or? i really didn't no okay. and i'm a little bit older than you guys so that wasn't like I don't really feel like we were getting it on TV at that point and my I grew up in a household that didn't have cable either sure. so that was even harder to to try to find something like anime yeah mostly at that time frame it might have just been Speed Racer yes that I do remember really Speed been, Racer and yes, that that I liked yeah. that was really it but uh, other than the one bad movie that came out that made everybody's head hurt, it's come a long <laughs> way since then. Uh, let's talk about Game Club. So, Mr. Mullen, Mr. Lumpkin, again, this is you guys. Uh, it was originally the Video Game Club, and then it kind of just disseminated from there. We've moved into Dungeons and Dragons. I know some Warhammer 40,000 is played from time to time. I know they do all types of stuff in there, uh, card games, etc. So, Mr. Mr. Moreland, tell me, we'll be using my room this year for the Game Club. What are we looking forward to this year? Well, we're going to have have two separate rooms planned for mm -hmm. the game club. So one room is going to have the tabletop games, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, whatever students want to do. And the other room is going to be dedicated to video games. So we're going to have, you know, fighting games, you know, racing games, whatever, and maybe plan out some tournaments, you know, like we had uh, a Smash Bros. tournament last year, every Friday. Uh, Mr. Lumpkin and I enjoyed that, but I think we both agreed that, one day of the week is enough. I mean, we already do anime clubs. So that's two days. We don't want to do three days of the week. So we're going to, you know, tone it back to one, but we're going to have the options for the students. So if they want to participate in Dungeons and Dragons, they can. If they want to do video games, they can. If they want to switch off and do one one week and one the next, they, they have that option as well. You know, it just depends on what they want to do. We don't have officers yet for the video game club. Yeah. So if we had student leadership, they could be more proactive about what they want the club to be. And I don't know if we could do any field trips or not for that, but I mean, there's a lot of opportunities for them to, you know, maybe even make their own games. I mean, we could talk to, 
this priest are about, you know, figuring out something about that if they're interested. You know, I know, that, I know there's RPG maker, there's mobile game makers you can do. So there's all sorts of things. I mean, do you have anything to say about like any suggestions? Yes, actually, funny enough, before I came to Manassas Park, I taught at a middle school in Stafford and we had kind of like a video game club a little bit. um, And we used a site called GameStar Mechanic with the students. Um, And it goes through, it teaches them all of the different mechanics of creating a video game. And the, the students I worked with really seemed to like it. So that might be an option. I know that there's a couple other ones out there too, where it like walks you through all of the setup of what goes into creating a, a game and kind of video game design. So that might be something to, yeah, I might, might mm. be able to stop by and help with that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great. I, I know that when we had Game Club last year, I would come by and always see the guys playing with the tournaments. They were really into the tournaments. And in fact, we were talking uh, one of the one of my students in my third block was adamant that he had played both either or both Mr. Moreland and Mr. Lumpkin. And uh, I think he kept saying, well, I played Kirby. I played Kirby. And then I said, well, you definitely played Mr. Moreland. And, and he didn't take you seriously. And then he says, well, no, I think I played Yoshi. And I said, well, then you definitely played Mr. Lumpkin. Yeah. He also didn't take you seriously. No. So <laughs> they're, they're, learning, they're learning that I'm the only one that plays with my main consistently to mm-hmm. when I take, I never not take them seriously. So they're, they're, they're aware that when they play me, I'm in it to win it. And I'm in it to probably try to beat them as hardly as I can. So well, that I being mean, said, I got to say this. Go ahead, Mr. Partly my father's fault because my friends used to come over to my place all the time and play video games with me and they would always lose and then they stopped wanting to play. And my dad was like, well, people don't like to lose all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, good point. So, you know, and you, and you learn from playing as different characters. I usually pick random characters just so I can kind of get used to them and see how they, you know, react to each other. And I want the kids to be competent, but at the same time, you know, there is something to be said about Mr. Hare's method of giving them the real challenge, you know, because then they actually get better that way too. Yes. Uh, as I've said before, I like to envision myself as the final boss. So uh, we've got chess club coming up now. Chess club's a little bit different. Uh, we also do not have officers, but we will be looking to install them coming into this coming year. Uh, we have not set any dates yet. I have to gauge uh, interest first. And then after that, we'll start to have meetings. And then the step team, the step team is open and looking for new members. So if they have any interest, we need more than just steppers. We need people to help out with lighting, with music, with moving equipment, making sure people have their uniforms. There's a lot that goes into a step team performance and we look for people to do that all the time. So anyone else want to weigh in on any other clubs that may be around that they're working on, helping out with anyone helping out with any of the uh, classes this year? No, but it was definitely a thought for a minute there. Have you, if you, are you, help, you were helping out with one of the classes, weren't you? Yeah, I used to help out with the senior class, and mm-hmm. at, at that time, like we we followed the students up. So as they went up, but then they changed that now. So then now they have uh, teachers involved with the same class mm-hmm. every year to you know maintain some consistency. And they asked me about that, and I said I'm fine because I went went up yeah. with the class that I went up with, and I was you know okay with, with kind of finishing off with them. Excellent. So. so I'd like to move on to some quick news with Cougar Time. Cougar Time next week is going to be staying within your classroom, but we will still observe the Cougar Time bell schedule on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, in the coming weeks, we'll be having one where we move. And if you are listed for uh, extra help in your classes, you will be getting a notice for that. Anything you want to add there, Mr. Lumpkin? Oh, nothing in too particular. It's just nice to be able well, actually, 
nothing in too particular because I'm, I have second block planning. So I end up being the nice teacher that walks around through the halls, making sure that everyone is actually in their classroom during cougar time, which ends up being fun. <laughs> Mr. Moore? Uh, it's, it's cougar time. So. <laughs> cougar time. <laughs> you know, it's. Now, Ms. Brewster, you came into our pod uh, 246 earlier and we're saying you're not quite used to the bell schedule I, on Tuesday and Thursday. Because um, I was always at the middle school on Tuesdays and mm. Thursdays. So I missed cougar time. So having that different bell schedule on those days, I'm not quite used to to remembering about it. So I was coming in to see a teacher who I thought we were already in the next block and not realizing we weren't yet. So that'll be a, a change for me to get used to. Absolutely. Now, I want to kind of move on We're to our burning question. Now, we talked about this last week after the show was over, and I figured, why don't we just pull this into our new show for the week? So the question is, what does a society owe to the members of said society? And this is something that we discussed right after the show was over. We had a very spirited discussion on it, and I kind of wanted to add that into my own question for you guys. So Mr. Moreland, Mr. Lumpkin, Ms. Priester, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Uh, starting with you there, Mr. Moreland, uh, what do you think about having a society and what do they owe to the members of that society? It's a very interesting question, but I don't really, I would need more specific information to be able to Let's work up with. some context. Yeah. Then. Yeah, of course. I guess the question itself is if you are a member of a society of some kind, whether that's locally at your city, uh, listed in your state, nationally, the society that is formed by its citizens, mm -hmm. I'm asking, does it owe anything to the members of the society? So should there be a social safety net? Should there be services provided by from the society to the people? Are there some personal considerations that we should all be aware of that the society should give to the members of that society? I think the question I would have in response to that would be, is the society is it voluntary or involuntary? Mm -hmm. Do you have a choice to be a member of the society or not? Why don't you give me insights on both? Well, because if you have a choice, then that would be a much stronger society because you wouldn't be forced to do it. You would have autonomy within the society. You can do what you want. You can choose to participate or not. And if you don't want to participate, that's okay. But you may not reap the benefits of being a part of that society. That makes it it's almost like a club of, of sorts. Like I would say more like a culture. It's like a community yeah. that you're actually and, and if you're actually making the active choice to then participate in as opposed to isolating yourself from. Yeah. To make to make like it connected to what we just talked about. If you want to play video games in class, it's probably not a good idea. But if you want to play video games in the video game club, you have to, you know, become a member of that club, which is very easy. You just voluntarily walk in. You know, but you can't do the same thing outside of that club. So there are benefits to being a part of society, but at the same time, nobody's forced to be a member of the video game club. Hmm. So there's benefits to it, but I don't think it should be involuntary. I think you should be able to opt in or opt out. That's obviously not the case in a lot of things. I mean, you don't get to choose to be a citizen or not, you know, depending on what's going on. But, you know. It just depends. No, I think that's really fair. I think that's what ends up leading to animosity. When someone's in a society or in a, uh, a system that would be like a group of individuals that made that had no real input from them or really any choice to be there, they're just kind of then trying to find their place in the society. I think that ends to a lot of like, well, issues with what we're kind of working on right mm -hmm. so then i guess what does that society then owe somebody who, who maybe they didn't have any choice for them to be in there they're just in there now i don't know 
I think there has to be some kind of, for example, if you're born in a society mm-hmm. and the society treats you like a member because of just, you know, your birthright or whatever, mm-hmm. that society owes it to you to teach you the ways of the society to, you know, help you assimilate to it, mm-hmm. to become a member of it. And to, if that's the goal of society, spread the philosophy of the society either to their children or their family or their friends, whoever. But again, that would have to be voluntary. They don't want to be a member of the society after they get old enough, like the the Amish people. Mm. Once you reach a certain age, if you don't want to be Amish anymore, you can leave the society. It's not forced upon them. I think what I would pull from that is like that the real thing that society society owes to people that are in the society kind of goes to the self-preservation of society, right? They need to be able to get the new people being added to the society or the people that are still within the society to, yeah, assimilate, but also to perpetuate, right? To continue out supporting the community that they're now in. So it's about building that community further on and making it, giving them ownership, whether it's voluntary or not, because more times than not, even if they, it doesn't end up being that voluntary society, right? It's the society still owes it to those people for its own sake, for the preservation of that society, because they run on the people that are in it to continue to provide at least the basics for them to be successful into the future. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that when it comes to something like this, I I believe strongly that a society is only as strong as its weakest link. Mm -hmm. So if you have people that are feeling as they're being left behind or even finding a way to get through those cracks that they slip through, then you lose something with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, voluntary or involuntary, I think that's a really good point that you bring up. But if it, if it's even if it's a voluntary society by choosing to follow those rules, then there's got to be a reason. You have to give them a reason to join. If it's involuntary, then at the end of the day, you've got to make a way mm-hmm. for those people that are there. You know, it's involuntary, but we're here now. So because you have to be here, we have to provide something to you. The purpose of creating those societies is to allow for the dispersion of ideas, for the the, the com- combination of resources, for expertise, so that everyone doesn't have to do everything. Ideally, yes, everyone would have all skills, but we don't have the time for everyone to have all skills because if they're only working on one thing one day, that's not really going to get us anywhere. If we have everyone working on everything and coming together as a whole, and again, that's the point of the society of any society, right? Is to have a whole. Well, and, it could also be for control. I mean, I don't think that necessarily every society is formed for a positive, you know, goal. Maybe not. I like think the Soviet Union, for example, North Korea. Well, they had a positive you know. goal. They had their own. They had what they defined as their positive mm-hmm. goal. Mm-hmm. But it was really about control, though. I, I think that's. I think when you say that it is for control, that can be slightly reductive because it's only a matter of perspective before someone looks at what anyone else is doing and says, well, they're only doing it because of this. Well, once again, like you don't have a choice. If you're in North Korea, you can't leave. If you're in the Soviet Union, you can't leave without permission from the government. It doesn't mean that doesn't stop people. That's true. But they take a great risk by trying to, to leave. I agree. And still, their society in the Soviet Union made a way to provide. They provided food and medical services to their citizens so that people love their society. Whether we may or may not agree with what it is that they did or what it was they were doing, they still provided for the people who were members of their society. Anyone who was a part of the Soviet bloc was able to still enjoy all of those resources. Ms. Priester, what do you think? 
Um, oh, this is a tough question. Yeah, okay. it's a very um, wide and abstract it, it, yeah, concept getting yeah. into. I, mean, I there's, wanted it there's to different be things very that, Yeah, I mean, no. there's different things that, you know, as I'm listening to you guys, just, you know, coming up with a couple of things that just, you know, I think when you're, you're looking at a, a society, like, are there, are there rights, are there privileges, um, kind of coming from, from that viewpoint. Um, I, I was reminded a little bit too, of a podcast that I've been listening to, um, and it's talking, uh, it's actually a full season long talking about the Salem Woods trials. And I didn't know a lot of like what went into that society and the whole, the whole premise of the the podcast is to really look at the history and what led up to the Salem Woods trials, not necessarily what happened during or what happened afterwards, but kind of what all the causes were of that. And um, just really looking at how it, it was in Salem, but all of the um, accusations were coming from kind of like almost a suburb of Salem that was out in the country called Salem, I think it was Salem Village. You had Salem Town, hmm. which was kind of like the bigger of the two, and then Salem Village, which were other people that were kind of trying to leave that Salem Town society because they didn't agree with what was going on and wanted to have more freedoms. Um, so just kind of looking at that, looking kind of at that comparison of a, a already established society and then another group of people trying to establish kind of a, a subculture society almost. That's great. This has been a really great discussion, but I want to make sure we make time to have our interview with Ms. Priester. So yeah. we're going to do that in just a moment. And while we do that, I want everyone to hold tight because we're actually going to have to stop recording. We're bumping up against our time here. So in one moment... With the magic of editing, we're going to have the interview plopped right into what we're doing now. So we're going to finish up our discussion here before we get into our interview. And Mr. Moreland, you said you had one more thing to add. Go well, ahead. yeah, I mean, you mentioned that the Soviet Union like provided stuff for the people and things like that. Well, I guess like the idea is, yes, to a limited extent. I mean, I don't think that necessarily everybody was happy with what they were provided with. That doesn't mean that necessarily everybody was getting their needs met. Our class right now is uh, discussing, you know, motivation theory. And we're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and things like that. And the, you know, basic human need is for food, shelter, you know, be able, being able to, you know, pass along their DNA, having kids, that kind of thing. Then it goes into, you know, higher needs that go into the philosophical, that kind of thing. So it's kind of like you can give people their basic needs. And you can provide their basic needs. A society can do that. But are you really advancing that society? Are you really letting everybody have the chance to be successful? And I don't think that's necessarily achievable on a grand scale. But at the same time, I think that having the freedom to choose who you want to associate with because you have similar interests, you have similar, you know, whatever you form your own societies within a society. Like the, the clubs we talk about, those are societies within a society and they have the freedom to do what they want. And when you limit that by having a, a system like the Soviet Union had, having a system like North Korea has that's not voluntary, it doesn't exactly fulfill the needs that people have. I mean, it may fill their, their basic human needs, but it doesn't necessarily fill the higher needs that allow for you know, innovation. I mean, the Russians did go to space like we did. But it was because that was something that they wanted to prove, you know, instead of just something that was, you know, elevating humanity. 
And I think that the United States kind of was doing the same thing. But at the same time, look at what we have now. You have SpaceX, you have all these different private companies now that are going on with the mission to, you know, achieve greatness. And that's because they want to do it. It's not because they're forced to. So. Gotcha. And I think that was a good discussion we had on this particular question. So I want to do what I'm very excited about, a new segment on our podcast. Uh, we will be interviewing a new member of the school, one one per week. We'll have them come on the show. We'll ask them some questions. And we're very fortunate to have Mrs. Priester come on today. Now, Ms. Priester, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Is that all right with you? Yeah, that's fine. I want to start with, number one, where did you grow up? So I actually grew up not too far away from Manassas Park uh, in Woodbridge. So about, you know, 25 minutes east of east of here. So grew up here, um, went to Garfield High School. So that's probably familiar to some of our students. And here I grew up hearing about Manassas Park, not entirely knowing how close it kind of was. Like I knew it was Manassas, but, um, you know, once I got here, really understanding what the um, what the school system was and and seeing the all of the good things that go on in the school system. You don't, I think growing up in Prince William County, like um, you just, you hear about Manassas Park, but you don't really know as much about it. So I'm really glad to have been here and and gotten to to know our students and, and our faculty the way that I have. Excellent, excellent. So where did you go to school? And that's, you know, you went to Garfield, but I after Garfield, Garfield yeah. where, where, where did your path take you? So I went to Radford University in Southwest Virginia. Actually, I know I'm listening to Mr. Lumpkin's or uh, listening to your uh, podcast last week and knowing Mr. Lumpkin went to Toronto, not mm -hmm. too far away. Um, so yeah, I did my undergraduate at Radford and then um, took a little bit of time off after that and then got my master's degree at George Mason. Okay, excellent, excellent. So after going to the schools that you went to and following that path, what inspired you to go into education? I mean, you've got all these skills and, you know, a lot of people would say you took a step back or took a step down, but what inspired you to be in the education field? Um, so I wouldn't say it was a step down at all. So um, knowing knowing my background, um, so around the time that I was graduating from high school, I was really into education, but also really into writing. And writing was kind of running out in, in my mind. And I went to my undergraduate at Radford for journalism. And um, got into that, and after I graduated, was doing some writing for the federal government. And um, unfortunately, about five months after I graduated from college, my mom passed away. Um, my mom had had cancer when I was in college, and it ended up coming back. And that really just completely changed my whole mindset. And I was doing work with the federal government, but not really doing anything that I really wanted to do. It was it was a job. Um, after I graduated, it was hard to, to work in the writing field and the internet was really starting to, to come out at that point. And you were seeing a lot of um, newspapers and magazines go under and they weren't surviving with everything that was coming out on the internet. Um, so it was a tough field at that point. Um, so I had just really just gotten the job. And then when my mom died, it was just this like, I need to do something better with my life and or do something that felt more meaningful to me. And growing up, my parents were very active in marching band and indoor color guard and indoor percussion ensembles. And at the, the time, my mom had been working with Hilton High School's marching band program. And my dad would would work a little bit too. Um, that was more of my mom's full-time thing. My dad worked in DC full-time, but he would go and work with the marching band when he had time. And uh, after she passed away, the 
the marching band, just the program and the parents and the students were very much there for us. And dad and I kind of felt like giving back to them was to help continue to help them as much as we could. And I ended up becoming the color guard instructor uh, with the marching band program. And um, the band director kind of pulled me aside one day and said, you know, you work well with the students and you can see that joy coming back into your life. Um, cause losing, losing my mom was, was difficult as it, I think it would be for, for most anybody at that age. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, um, him just kind of taking me aside and saying, you know, I think you would be great at education and I want you to consider that. And I really took that seriously. He was someone who was really big, um, had been big in my life um, and big in my mom's life. And that's what I ultimately ended up doing. I left my job and became a substitute teacher for a few months and then ended up going, this is this is what I want to do. Um, so it wasn't even like, the, like you were saying, like maybe a step back. Um, I wasn't even in the technology realm at that point. Um, and after... Um, working as a teacher and being in a classroom and finding out about the instructional technology job that I currently have going, you know, I really like that and being able to work with adults and students and transitioned into, into this role. Well, excellent. Well, our hearts obviously go out to you. It's, it's a really is a detriment to ever lose a parent, but oh, yeah. to know that as she inspired you to then, then go into this field and then give that inspiration to others is really, really a great thing. Yeah. I want to ask you another question. Uh, and this is a little general, so I yeah. do understand it can be, you know, it's a little abstract, but what do you think the role of a school is? Um, so I, like you had given me this question earlier. So mm -hmm. I was, I was thinking about this a little bit and I kind of took it more as like the role in a community um, because that was always like school was really big to me and education was really big um, for me. My parents really pushed making sure that I got a college degree because um, that was not big in the time that they were growing up. Um, so, but they wanted to make sure I had a good education. And so school was always kind of like at the heart of what what we do um, as a family. But I think also as a community, especially when you're thinking about um, a school system or a, a community as small as Manassas Park, the schools really become kind of the hub of the community. And a lot of events go on. Um, like today, we're having the family market going on. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it's just a place where it kind of becomes a central location where a lot of things go on. And I think that that's important for to the schools, not only to be working with the students, but with parents in the community as a whole. Absolutely. And it is a good thing that we have the family market because it helps out a lot of our family and friends here at Manassas Park. Yeah. And there is one final question we like to ask. And yeah. because you're our inaugural guest, I can't say always, but this is something we plan on asking all of our guests. And it's very important to me. What are three books that have influenced you that you would recommend to the student body? Okay. Well, I have two. That's great. We can go with the two you have. <laughs> so um, one of them, so I would say one is probably more towards our female students and one might be more more general, but I know um, growing up, my, my grandmother had given me Anne of Green Gables uh, and that was a huge influence to me. And when I first went to read it, I think I was a little too young when I first read it because I didn't quite understand everything going on and I kind of gave up on it. And then a few years later, picked it back up again. And um, the the story is a, is about a, a girl who is orphaned and comes to live with uh, these two people who have adopted her and want a boy. 
they don't want, they don't even want a girl because they work on it. They live in a farm and they need like a, a young man to really kind of help them with the, the farm there. It's a brother and sister who are older and, you know, are having a hard time handling things. And when they find out that there's this girl that they're adopting, they don't want her. They don't want anything really to do with her. And it, it the story comes over time of seeing how she is able to show them her strengths and the different ways that she is able to, to benefit them. And um, it, it, I think it's a really good story about kind of like being on the outside and trying to be um, accepted by other people, but also showing that there's nothing wrong with having like a strong personality and even imaginative personality that the main character has a very big imagination. And that was something that I always kind of inspire to. I liked being able to show my creative side that I feel like I am able to do with my job too. So I feel like that, that, that might be good for somebody who kind of feels like they might be like an outsider and see how you can become over time, be accepted in in a kind of a society type thing or a, in a community. Excellent. Um, the other one I would say um, actually came from my graduate school. Um, we read Ender's Game, which is kind of a weird book to read in an instructional technology master's degree program. Um, but the, the way we were reading it was to look at how school would look at in the future. The, the book takes place in the, in the future. And I'm sure many, many of our students might be familiar with it. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a different, it, it was different to read a fiction book in something that it was like such a nonfiction world and such a, a technical world, but to be able to read that and then um, talk with classmates and talk with other people about how this fiction book could really influence real world and, how it can make you um, think about things in a different perspective. Um, so I think that would be just another book just for people to read, even even if it's not looking at it the same way that I was looking at it uh, from taking school and looking at how school could look different from a traditional classroom. Just um, There's just a lot of themes that are in that book, and I think it's just a, a good book to, to read. Excellent. I'm going to go ahead and make sure I put these both of these two titles in the show notes so that yep. anyone who's got questions, they can find them and ask us. Yep. Uh, I'm very excited that you were here today. Thank you for being our very first uh, podcast interviewee. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Thanks Did you gentlemen have any me, questions yeah. you want to ask her before we go into our final thoughts? No, but it's interesting you said that about the Ender's Game being like the school of the future. That's something we talked about in my English class. And it was interesting because a lot of the times people look at the school of future and they just put the same thing in, yes. you know, in the pictures. Like, oh, there's kids sitting in desks looking at a teacher. And nope, now they're in futuristic desks. looking at the, Now they're looking at a robot instead of the teacher. Yep. So it's just interesting that you mentioned that because I'm curious as to how the Ender's Game book, you know, would describe the school of the future. Because I'm assuming it wouldn't be like that. No, it, from what I remember, and it was, it's been a while since I, I've read it. Um, it was more like kind of almost like what we're doing with one-to-one that every student had like a, a, their, their desk was a screen. And so it was like the, the computer and you could do things on the desk, but it's very kind of similar to, I think our students each having laptops and being able to, to do different things. And there were like different challenges and they brought in like video game kind of design into some of the the classwork that the the students were doing and so yeah i think it's a, it 
Um, I agree with you. I think a lot of times when people talk about future, you know, schools, it's very similar to what we've, what school has really always been kind of that factory model. Mm -hmm. Um, And even to an extent, Ender's Game did that, but it was really to try to kind of influence us to think in a different way. Absolutely. Mr. Lumpkin, anything? Oh, nothing in super particular other than, so you got, I missed it. You think journalism and then in, in, from, uh, instructional technology. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> actually, yeah, I don't think I have anything, actually. <laughs> well, excellent. Thank you so much for coming, Ms. Priester. You're welcome. We're going to do our final sign-off, so we'd like for you to stick around for sure. that. Uh, this is where we go ahead and give you some final thoughts. We're each going to pull a, a quick current event that we're going to talk about very, very briefly so that you all have an idea of what's on our minds. I want to start with you, Mr. Moreland. Uh, what was the story you wanted to bring attention to our students today? Well, I recently heard that, you know, the Siri and Alexa, all those little devices that people have for, you know, personal assistance is what they call them. I mean, I've used Siri myself. Um, it's been revealed that there were actual humans listening on the other end at the companies. Contractors. I've yes. been employees of the Google and mm-hmm. Apple, or I mean, Amazon and Apple, but people yes. that they hired outside of the company, right? Unbeknownst to the customer. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of people were freaked out by that and upset. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about the other companies, but I know that Apple has come out and said that from now on, they will... You'll be able to opt in or opt out, which is good, uh, but they will have transcripts of the conversations instead of uh, people listening in. I, of course, plan on opting out, uh, but it is kind of weird. It's like, oh, we don't have people listening now. We just have it on paper, which I think might be worse. I mean, then you have like a document, you know, record of of it. It's a little scary how much uh, information they have on you just by listening to your phone. Yes. So you have to be careful because students, I mean... This is something that, you know, everybody should know. Just because you think it's gone when you delete it doesn't mean it actually is. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone so. is, as uh, <clears throat> 1984 will tell you, Big Brother is watching you. Mr. Lumpkin, uh, what, what do you want to point us toward today? Well, other than thinking of the big money that must be involved with big information that has to deal with getting stuff through phones and everything else, because I always found it to be very fascinating. So that we are <laughs> reaching almost to the middle where we're about to see some very crazy stuff of our hurricane season. And of course, already for the first weekend back, and as our scientists, I'd be remiss of mentioning it, we're seeing our first big hurricane coming up, Hurricane Dorian for Florida. And it's already looking like it's gonna be another exciting season. A big part of our science is talking about how climate change is influencing storm changes. And even last week, I mentioned stuff going on with the Amazon and we're still seeing how that's going to end up panning out in the future. But right now we're seeing already a category four and already states of emergency being sent out at the very beginning. In fact, I believe we are about two weeks before what is peak hurricane season and then like September 10th or so, we're already seeing a category four off the coast coming in early in the season to actually do sorts of damage. And after the stuff that we've seen the past two years, I, I can't imagine it's interesting. Uh, I know that you know, being a nerve science teacher, mm-hmm. the weather patterns of meteorology is definitely your, right in your wheelhouse. I've had students ask me some questions. There, there have been news stories about ways to kind of deal with hurricanes. Uh, one thing I have tried to really kind of point out for some students, um, from a physics perspective, mm-hmm. a hurricane releases somewhere between 10 and 20 petajoules of energy every hour. So to be clear, 20 petajoules is approximately 10 times the power of what Hiroshima was, the bomb that fell at the end of World War II. So it's releasing that much energy every hour 
on the hour. Now, it's not all bad news. Uh, the good thing, and, and I know it's a little strange to say that there are good things that come from hurricanes. Hurricanes do serve an actual meteorological benefit to the planet. Uh, they actually redistribute heat from one part of the planet to another part of the planet. So when you see that hurricane coming, it's not always a bad thing because it could just be keeping the planet cool. And that's very important to the ecosystem of the earth. Uh, my final thought, I, I wanted to point this out. Um, the United Kingdom, uh, our British brethren across the pond, uh, the prime minister, Boris Johnson, is looking into, and hasn't quite done it yet, but he's looking into suspending parliament. Uh, we, being a democratic republic, have a very different standard. We believe in democracy every year on the year. So every two years, we vote in a new set of House of Representatives, and we vote in a third of our con or a third of our sitting senators. So every two years, we're constantly electing someone new. Uh, the United Kingdom doesn't have such a system. They have Parliament, which has the House of Commons and the House of Lords. House of Lords, they are inheriting their position, so they don't have the same system we have with that particular. House. And then the House of Commons has elections whenever they feel like it. In this case, uh, Boris Johnson is looking to do so. Now, I'm no parliamentary scholar. I don't quite have all the answers on why he would choose to do that or what this actually means. Uh, we were discussing it before and even we were kind of murking on some of the details. But I just want to point your attention to that with Brexit coming in, a hard Brexit on October 31st, I believe, is going to be the last date when the United Kingdom falls out of the European Union. And it's just something in our ever interconnected world that we should be keeping an eye on. Mr. Moreland, Mr. Lumpkin. Well, to go back to the hurricane thing, I mean, I'm, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, and then lived at Virginia Beach after that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, the heat thing is, is, you know, a positive spin, but it doesn't help the people who, you know, are, are facing the potential damage it's that it does. Uh, but I remember when I was a kid, I used to get mad at the news, the, the weather people, because every time hurricane season would come up, you'd see their smiling faces on the, I mean, they were trying to help. <laughs> they're trying to warn people. Yeah, to warn yeah, but yeah. their smiling faces on TV as they went, it's hurricane season. And I'm like, it's like these jerks want the hurricanes to come. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, I would be really freaked out if my weatherman is like, everybody run. So maybe that's just <laughs> oh, yeah, me. But still, I mean, nobody wants nobody wants a hurricane to hit land but you know well you tell that to our students when they're asking yeah. if we're going to be out for two months because of the hurricane i hope not that's <laughs> oh that's we actually you, you guys I actually have a story i told when i tell to all my students that, I, that have heard it i guess mm -hmm. uh, when i was a kid in, in elementary school we had a really bad tropical storm like it was like the hurricane was right off the coast and we hit got hit pretty hard by rain and we were all you know scared like hiding under the desks in the classroom and they came over the intercom and they said there will be no school tomorrow because of the hurricane. And we're all like, well, that doesn't help us today. <laughs> and then we all go home. We're all like, you know, battening down the hatches for the night. You know, next day we're all off of school. And we're like, oh, it's going to be really bad. Look outside. It's sunny. Absolutely. Weather's clear. And we're like, we've got a free day. There, there is no clearer weather than the day after a hurricane. That's mm -hmm. for certain. So that was what we wanted to point out. We are still looking for feedback. So if you listen to this and find something interesting or find something you'd like us to try or something new, please contact us. Mr. Moreland, Mr. Lumpkin, and I are always looking for feedback. We will have a new guest next week, a new surprise guest. Hopefully we'll be able to get them in and ask them the same questions and maybe some new ones. And we're going to be going off for our next week. And we look forward to seeing you and having you listen to us next week. So everyone who listens, thank you. Good night.